pigeon. It flew up in panic. His other foot slipped. His fingers lost their grip on the drain pipe. He dropped the hammer, grabbed the new hold, a brick key, which was, let's face it, nothing more than a long, flat nail with a T-piece grip. Okay, now I'm stuck. Above him, the pigeons joined its colleagues on a higher ledge. The pigeon was nervous. And because nervousness runs through pigeons faster than a streaker through a convent, a gentle patter began. His two hands were now gripping the suddenly very slippery nail. Damn. Then a voice from below said, Who's up there? Thank you, Hammer. They know I'm here now. Okay. All right. It's a fair cop, Gov. Ah, oh, a thief, eh? Haven't touched a thing, Gov. Could do with a hand, Gov. You thieves' guild, you're using their lingo. Not me, Gov. I always use the word Gov, Gov. Sounds from below indicated that ostlers and off-duty coachmen were strolling over. There was a muttering. Mr. Robber, a cheery voice bellowed. Here's what we're going to do, OK? We're going to go into the building and lower you a rope. Can't say fairer than that, right? Right, Gov. But it had been the wrong kind of cheery. The Thieves' Guild paid a $20 bounty for a non-accredited thief brought in alive, and there were oh so many ways of still being alive when you were dragged in and poured out on the floor. He looked up. The window of the Postmaster General's apartment was right above him. Okay. His hands and arms were numb now, yet painful. He heard the rattle of the big freight elevator inside the building and footsteps across the roof, felt the rope hit his arm. Grab it or drop, said the voice. It's all the same in the long run. There was laughter in the dark. The men heaved at the rope. The figure dangled, then kicked out and swung back. Glass shattered. The rope came up empty. Right, you two, head him off. Front back doors, now! said a coachman who was fast on the uptake. The rest of you will squeeze him out, floor by floor. As they clattered back downstairs and ran along the corridor, a man in a dressing gown poked his head out of a room. Go on, after him. And who are you? said an ostler. He's Mr Moist von Lipwick, said the coachman, the postmaster general. Yes, someone came crashing through my window, landed right between, I mean, and nearly landed on me. He ran off down the corridor. Ten dollars a man if you catch him. And it's Lipwig, actually. That would have restarted the stampede, but the ostler said, Here, he doesn't half sound like that bloke, and he's out of breath. Look, Say the word gov, will you? You tit, said the coachman. He's the postmaster. Why do you want to break into his own post office? I still reckon we ought to take a look in that room. Really? Well, I reckon what Mr Litvig does to get out of breath in his own room is his own affair. The coachman gave Moist a huge wink. Sorry, sir. He ain't got no manners. Now, get cracking, you bastards. Moist went back into his room. Whew, well, at least he still had some skills. The hint that there was a woman in his room had definitely swung it. Then he smiled. OK, he'd got stuck. 
but the shadowy nighttime climbing fraternity reckoned the post office to be particularly challenging, and he'd talked his way out, so in all it was a win. And for a while there, in between the moments of terror, he'd felt alive and flying. It was an hour before dawn now. He'd never get to sleep again. So he might as well enhance a reputation for keenness. As he sorted out a shirt, there was a heavy yet somehow still polite knock on the door. Come in, Gladys. The floorboards creaked as Gladys entered, because Gladys was a golem, a clay man who was seven feet tall, weighed half a ton, and wore a blue dress, since Miss McAlariot, who ruled the post office counters with lungs of brass, had objected to a male golem cleaning the ladies' privies. Thus, with the addition of one extremely large cotton print dress, a golem became female. And the odd thing was that...